So you heard about it. You heard about uh, the hot new. First of all, what a time to be alive. There but uh, Apple's they be, the Apple's been doing stuff. They uh, they put out a new Mac Pro, and as you might expect, looks like it's going to be pretty expensive. And it's coming from a guy who I've owned Mac Pros in the past. I had to trash can Mac Pro, the ambitious one. The little thing with all kinds of thermal issues. I actually fried some GPUs on the version that I had. They had to be replaced. Actually, I think they ended up just shipping me a, a brand new one. But if you guys don't recall or you're, or you're just not in the Apple ecosystem, you probably forget this thing because it wasn't super popular. But this was Apple's take on like a modern workstation computer that they were going to have desktop class graphics workstation class processors inside of a compact package much smaller than we had seen in the past and the cooling was going to take place like uh via the top a port on the top and uh anyhow it was it was not the biggest hit and a lot of people at the time had wanted something more typical they wanted almost like a pc workstation but in the Mac format. And that's where this modern version comes in. It's been a long time coming. A lot of people are actually quite happy. They've wanted a, a, a proper Mac workstation and the iMac or iMac Pro wasn't sufficient for them. And that's where this thing comes in. But I mean, you've obviously, at this point, you've seen it. And uh, it's drawing some comparisons. <laughs> it's been drawing some comparisons uh, to weird... Uh, to, che to cheese grater, mostly. I don't know. It looks kind of weird. Let's be honest. I guess every time something new comes out, there's like a, a period in which you have to familiarize yourself with it before it becomes normal. This doesn't feel normal yet. And I have to say, for me, yes, I saw a cheese grater. When I, especially when you look at the image on the left, when you look at the image, which is a straight-on shot of the new Mac Pro, it looks like a cheese grater. But then... I went a step further and I was like, man, this, there's something about this that reminds me of Ikea. And so I told Will, I'm like, go to Ikea and see if you can find those exact feet and that handle on the top. And, and sure enough, there's something very similar. There's this leg, four-pack leg called Capita, which is it's kind of a very basic leg. Now, I'm not saying that this leg design belongs to Ikea. I'm just saying as soon as I saw it on the Mac Pro, that's where my brain went. And then if you go to the handle... Ikea, of course, has a very basic cabinet-style handle. Now, there's nothing wrong with simple forms, but the problem is our brains are going to draw these parallels. And if you look at the new Mac Pro and the handle on top and the feet, that's just kind of what it, like, it looks like it would look great in an Ikea showroom as the fake computer. It, it looks kind of like it was made at a hardware store or something. I don't know. It's a, it's a very... It's going to be to an individual's taste. Some people might love the utilitarian kind of industrial look of it other people maybe less so but ultimately i don't think that's really what this product is about like it's cool that it looks expensive i guess or like it looks kind of uh unusual if you're gonna spend six grand it's gonna start at six grand but uh that's what it's really about is giving you a traditional desktop caliber workstation caliber performance 
in a form factor that's expandable. That's really why people are excited about this thing because up until now, assuming you've moved on from the from the previous Mac Pro, the trash can, you've been stuck with a more integrated system that comes with a monitor like an iMac. And for, for all kinds of uh, workstation users, people doing compositing, 3D work, possibly video editing, although I don't even think we necessarily need it in our studio. Uh, people working on AR, maybe uh, virtual reality stuff, game developers. You know, you can plug in all your various professionals who might be looking for something like this. This is probably closer to what they wanted in the first place when the last Mac Pro came out. Because, of course, you have more opportunity for expandability. It's more modular, like a typical PC workstation. And that just means it's going to be in the shape of a rectangle. Now, they also came out with a monitor. They're calling it the... Pro Display XDR. The specs look pretty good on it. It's going to be very bright, but once again, also expensive. High resolution, bright. They call it XDR, which is like for them beyond HDR, a million to one contrast ratio. It's got some crazy specs, but the price is going to match up once more. Uh, so this one starts at what, five grand, Will? Yeah, five grand and F then another grand for the stand. Five grand for the display and a grand for the stand. I mean, really only Apple can do this. Let's be honest. How many companies are charging you charging you a grand for a stand and are actually going to sell it? Like, people are going to buy this stand. But now you start to do the math and you're like, okay, so I get this new Mac Pro. I spec it out. I get two of these monitors because I'm Hollywood. And all of a sudden, it's like 20 grand, 50 grand. Well, I don't know. Somewhere in there. It's pretty wild. So, it, you know, what's weird is my initial reaction to it was like, man, I can't justify it. I, I don't, for myself, like, I'll probably make a video on it just because, but like I can't justify for myself or the workflow that we use in this studio. Probably we're not going to really take advantage of it. But same time, I find myself saying this with a lot of products these days. I'm, I'm happy it exists. I like the idea of options. And I, I realized that certain customers were underserved by the pre-existing stuff, uh, the iMac stuff. And... Apple on stage, they did a comparable spec out on an HP workstation. This, of course, doesn't include the monitor. But they did a, a spec out on an HP workstation and, uh, and showcased how the price of the Mac Pro is not all that crazy when you factor in the Xeon processor and the various other workstation-grade specs that this thing is going to ship with because, of course, it has special RAM, special graphics, and all the rest of it, which costs a lot more than a comparable consumer grade version like a gaming computer or something like this so it's obviously targeted at the workstation clientele but uh, of course on the verge and, and other sites they're reporting that they believe this that you'll be able to spec out just the mac pro itself to at least thirty-five thousand dollars usd so things are getting pretty wild in this space and as this becomes more and more niche uh the premium that you're going to pay to participate is going to have to increase to adjust for the lack of scale since more and more people are getting work done on laptops and portable platforms and so forth. But uh, what, what can I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. It's a, the, the, the object gives me a weird vibe. The object itself is giving me a weird vibe. I don't know why. Like, I don't know. How does it make you feel, Will? The object. The front of it there. <laughs> it's kind of uh, scary. 
I, I don't know. It just doesn't relate to anything that's traditionally on my desk. Um, so it doesn't look friendly. It looks uh, it looks very modern. Very modern. Very but clean, it does it does sort smart. of seem like a kitchen appliance of some kind. Like a cheese grater. Well, that's what people are saying. That's what a lot of people are saying. So look, I, I get it. This is going to be a polarizing subject. There's going to be some people out there, probably a small group, that have been waiting for something like this. And for them, congrats. You have a workstation Mac, a legitimate workstation Mac coming out that I'm sure is going to be fast and you're going to be very productive with it. But then there's another group of people that's like, I would never pay that much money for something like this. And that's understandable as well, as I just mentioned. The, 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 the way that people are working and the things that people are doing, it's amazing what you can achieve without the need for a cumbersome, large desktop situation. Now, this clip, this, this clip kind of drove me a bit crazy. This is a, a clip on Twitter from the Twitter handle Marco Arment. He was filming at the event at WWDC where they announced the product. And uh, you can mute it. You can mute it, Will. So, I mean, it's people basically, uh, you know, scrambling around trying to get photos of not just the new Mac Pro, but also Tim Cook standing beside Johnny Ive. And they appear to be <laughs> discussing the product, which is just a weird... I mean, they've obviously had this conversation in private, so there's a bit of acting going on for the cameras. And I hate to see people have to do that. Like... They need to create a photo op. They have to show themselves there. And then they're discussing the thing. But it's like, do you, don't you feel like the head designer and the CEO would have covered everything about this product at some previous point? Like, what's he what's he showing him here that he hasn't already seen? Doesn't he have to sign off on this thing at some point? See the drawings? Like, it's, it all just feels, uh, you know, it feels acted. And I don't, I hate to have to see these guys like that. I know what that feels like to be under, you're at some event, all the cameras are pointing at you and you're feeling like, oh, we got to, we got to do something. We got to create these nice images for these people. So let's pretend, discuss. And you can kind of see from the body language, uh, Ive is just, just trying to get away from the frame. Like <laughs> Ive is like, all right, here. we did it. We got the photo op. Let's, let me get out of here, please. This is so weird and awkward. And it obviously is. And I'm telling you from personal experience, I know what those product those environments after you announce a product and everyone's scrambling around with the cameras and stuff it's just it's weird it's showtime it's showtime absolutely they got to put it on for the cameras absolutely are you liking that post that's weird when you hover over that it's flickering it was like glitching yeah it was glitching out so anyway this guy marco armit very excited about this i i presume uh a power user of sorts because he really wants one of these a lot of people want them a lot of people will have the money for them, so I'm not going to rain on that parade. It's a new Mac Pro, but it's not the only thing that happened at WWDC. Uh, Apple also, they made some updates to the iPad, specifically the software on the iPad, uh, iOS 13. Uh, now you can, or iPad OS, I guess is what they're calling it, the launch of iPad OS. So some new features to make the iPad more productive and a better laptop replacement. You probably all remember that I did uh, an experiment in which I gave up my laptop to try to survive solely on an iPad. 
an iPad Pro that was. And I got the keyboard case and the whole thing going on. And it didn't really work for me. I never, it never felt like a good replacement for me or like I wasn't happy enough to completely be done with a laptop, but they've made some changes to the OS to hopefully bridge that gap a little bit more. There's new split app or split view options within single apps so you can be more productive within an app. And maybe most importantly, there is new file management. So you're gonna get file management that's more like a laptop. So you can finally start to utilize some of the storage that exists <clears throat> on locally on the iPad and it's not just all iCloud in the cloud type of thing. You can move files directly to the iPad file system from a USB thumb drive straight off of a camera, for example. These things are a must in my opinion. If you wanna replace a laptop, you gotta have things like this in there. Now, of course, the iCloud stuff will still operate as it has in the past, but now you have this local file management more akin to a full out laptop or desktop operating system. So I can see a lot of people being excited about that. And uh, whether it's probably still not gonna happen for me as a laptop replacement because I've spoke before about how much I like a tactile uh, keyboard to go with you know, my mobile work. I'm just really into laptops right now. I don't see myself transitioning to an iPad replacement. For me, the iPad Pro in my life, it still sits beside my bed and it's like every so often I'll do some reading on it or something, but it's still a supplementary device. I do think for a lot of people that can only have one device or the other, like you can only have the iPad or, or, or a laptop, you're making the, the decision between the two. This thing is getting increasingly closer to a laptop-like experience or laptop-like capabilities through the accessories and of course the new software. So that's your life's gonna be easier if you're trying to make this device do both. But I still feel like for me personally, the drawbacks are too great to keep me away from a typical laptop. I just want, you know, sometimes I want a bigger display. Sometimes I want a dedicated keyboard with actually some key travel. I spoke about it in the past and it remains true for me that the laptop marketplace still satisfies me more. And I do the majority of my interacting with the internet on the laptop if it's not on the smartphone. So uh, next up, Apple fans apparently very excited about a new Apple Watch tip calculator. They spent a lot of time talking about Apple Watch. In fact, the keynote was like two and a half hours. Uh, that's, I mean, they're you got to be really into it to be excited through the entire keynote. Uh, and they covered a lot of different topics. Of course, this is their developers conference. So usually it hasn't been a big place for hardware announcements, which is another reason I think people were so excited about the Mac Pro announcement. But uh, this, this uh, feature in particular, I think is kind of cool. There's a, a real quick little tip calculator for the watch, which again, we're, we keep trying to come up with ways to make wearables practical or to, to make them compelling enough to keep them on, to keep them charged. And I think some of those functions are starting to build up slowly, way slower than the original promise or expectation. But this is another example of that. They added a tip calculator and the tip calculator will also let you split a tip. So more and more people splitting the meal up. Well, did you notice? No. They go out with their friends, they split it up. See, I, 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 I'm not a huge fan of that. I think 
you cover it, I cover it. We take turns. Yeah. We take turns. We move it around. We 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 showcase our trust for one another. Yeah. That that I'm gonna get you back at some point, yeah. or you're gonna get me back at some point. That's part of the engagement. You see, I'm a big fan of that. But that's not what humans are doing. Humans, they don't trust each other. They're like, I'm. You better get your percentages tip right now because I may never see you again. Yeah. <laughs> they're serious about that that's what's going on these days so anyway for that group of people they can split it up but just for the average person they can say to themselves okay i want to give a percentage tip in this case a 20 percent tip for one person and boom you got the tip calculator on the wrist a little bit more inconspicuous maybe than the phone and you just you get the payment out there the waitress or waiter is happy you're happy it's beautiful but apparently the crowd, apparently they got a big pop in the crowd when they showcased this feature in particular. But, of course, they covered some other things with the uh, the new Watch OS. They continue to attempt to improve upon it. There's an app store now specifically for the watch. So they're going to keep it moving. They, they really want you to get this watch. But, of course, for me, I tried it out on a couple occasions. But if you're moving around devices, phones frequently... This is essentially an Apple-specific. It's an iPhone accessory. So for me, it never panned out. But nonetheless, they ain't slowing down. They still want you to get the Apple Watch and get your tips right. Now, Apple wasn't the only one. They're not the only one, sorry, that's uh, out here making, making some announcements or coming up with new hardware. There's actually uh, uh, something coming from Microsoft. Microsoft teased a secret dual-screen Surface device possibly based on that original courier concept, which you may recall, Will. Uh, they got a lot, of, a lot of love, a lot of attention little while about, a little while back on this potential courier device. This was long before we were seeing folding screens and all that. And it seemed futuristic at that moment when we first heard about this courier, maybe less so now, but the idea was this little notebook somewhere between a phone and a laptop. And I think in the original concept video, the person's drawing on it as well in the subway or something like this, so it would have pen input. And any, anyhow, the thing has apparently been in development for like two years, and we haven't heard too much about it. It, it kind of uh, disappeared, but apparently they've been working on it. And so Will's showcasing one of the original concept videos of The Courier. Now, in 2009, when this video was published here on YouTube, Microsoft Courier Secret Tablet, this was crazy. This was very futuristic at that time. This idea of pen input, two screens, kind of like a notebook, completely portable. Again, long before we had heard anything about folding screens. Now, based on some of the images here, of the, of the early prototypes, I mean, it looks like a two-screen two device on a hinge, but these pictures are actually old, so who knows? Maybe they would implement an actual folding display or folding display tech in the eventual product. Now, it's been very secret. Apparently, they had like an internal event. The product, the dual-screen device codenamed Centaurus, and working on it for two years, and apparently they brought in different employees to check out, to catch a glimpse of what they were what they were working on. They were also working on a smaller pocketable device codenamed Andromeda, but apparently 
most of their focus is on the bigger scale on this uh, Centaurus. How about these code names, Will? Hmm. Holy moly. Mythological. Uh, Pegasus. Isn't that where Asus got his name from? I don't know. Anyway, you're not even supposed to say Asus, even though it's Pegasus. Peg, Peg Asus. Hmm. Peg Asus. 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 So what I hear a lot. Asus. People, I mean, they'll correct you all the time on that. Anyway. Uh, now, apparently, also, this this could be the first device to showcase something called Windows Lite, as it's codenamed internally. Could this be some sort of crossover Windows platform somewhere between a mobile OS and a desktop OS? Maybe this is what Apple's trying to do with the iPad. We just spoke about how they're making improvements to iPad OS to make it more like a desktop OS. Now, maybe uh, Microsoft is sitting there and trying to make an OS for mobile inspired from the desktop OS, something like this. So this hardware device could be the first to showcase this Windows Lite prioritized for dual screen devices like this Centaurus. And of course, this has Intel's backing as well. Intel uh, trying to remain relevant, encourage different brands, companies to continue to use its processors in these mobile devices, which is where the marketplace is going, obviously. So there should be some a relationship there uh, with this potential futuristic Surface product. So it's, a, it's an interesting time, really, when you think about it. You have Apple focused on this iPad OS because in reality... That region, if they can develop this new standard where the iPad replaces the laptop, they can sell a lot more iPads, right? Because, you know, people with their laptops are typically pretty satisfied. I don't know. There hasn't been a lot of development in that space. And so if the iPad replaces the laptop, if the OS on the iPad becomes more uh, uh, laptop-like, more comprehensive... Then all of a sudden you can convince customers like, hey, it's time to give up your laptop. There are benefits to the mobile device through in battery life, in cooling, in um, uh, scale, right? These things are incredibly thin and light. They're modular from an accessory standpoint. They pop out. You draw on them. You get deeper into the ecosystem as well. You get deeper into the app store. You get deeper into, I mean, their hooks get more into you. I think Apple would love it. And it seems to be the case. They're kind of vocal about the idea that your iPad should replace your laptop. It also reduces their dependence on companies like Intel who currently manufacture the processors for their laptop products. You see, in these products, this has Apple's own chips inside of it, right? With the, both with the iPad and the iPhone. So they're more in control of the experience from that standpoint. So they, for me, it feels like they're rapidly trying to get this iPad up to laptop standard so that people can make that move and they can be more in control of the entire experience and more in control of the entire hardware product, more so than the Intel dependence in the laptop department. And then you got Microsoft on the flip side going the other direction. They're like, with the Surface brand, they are going for the same thing. Can we transition? What does this next generation interface look like? They obviously don't believe it's Windows as it stands right now, hence them working on this Windows Lite 
and this dual screen product, which started as the courier two years ago and then moved into this other thing. So everyone is searching for this future of computing that exists outside of the smartphone. And it seems to me that these brands don't believe that the laptop as it exists right now is that future. So it's an interesting time for mobile computing, exciting for people like us who investigate this stuff. But I will tell you, and I'll be clear, I have not yet interacted with a mobile device outside of or different from or more modern than a laptop that has done a better job than the laptop. So I'm just going to reiterate that. You may agree, disagree. There's obviously advantages, disadvantages to each of these platforms, but there's something about the traditional old laptop form factor that still does a great job when it comes to certain tasks. Uh, next up, Google. They're uh, going to be revealing some more information, some more Stadia stuff on Thursday, apparently. They're going to have launch details and price. There's going to be a live stream, so if you're pumped up about Stadia, uh, you can be ready for Thursday. You can watch the live stream. It's uh, June 6th at 12 p.m. Eastern. They're going to be talking about when it'll launch, how much it'll cost, and which games it's going to support out of the gate. They're going to be streaming that live on YouTube. So very exciting. Uh, you know, they, they, they showed off this kind of crazy uh, demo in which it was like, yeah, it's going to have 4K, HDR, 60 FPS. The hardware doesn't need to be in your house. You're going to be playing it on a smartphone, like big claims. And I remember on my social media afterwards, it was a lot of people that were skeptical that were sitting there saying, hey, man, I don't think they're going to be able to deliver it the way they're showcasing it. Uh, it seems too ambitious. Uh, or just more, I'll believe it when I see it. So we're getting a step closer to seeing it, and people can determine at that point whether they believe it or not. I'm, I'm of the position that I don't think Google would be involved. I don't think they would go through this process to deliver something that couldn't actually work. Like, imagine you have these events, you manufacture this controller, you come up with this brand name, Stadia, and to be a complete dud. Now, I will say, Google has buried products in the past. Just because they've gone out and done something doesn't mean it's going to live forever. But there's something about this particular product and the marketplace the way that it is right now that leads me to believe that this one's going to be no joke. Now, I don't know. I might eat these words later at a later date. Uh, but even though it seems ambitious, it does seem like the future. It seems like the way that this marketplace has to go. Gaming, I mean, how do you envision it? it are we really going to be downloading these massive files forever? It really, it seems kind of crazy. It seems kind of antiquated. Uh, I think I spoke about this on a previous episode. It's almost like the Netflix example when you used to get the discs delivered to you and then eventually when you were streaming it you were like why would i have physical discs anymore now obviously we've moved beyond that to downloadable games but still you're pumped up you watch the trailer you want to play the game you don't want to wait half an hour to download it uh you don't want to have to store it physically anywhere on a console even if you get the digital download you're still confined by whatever storage you have on that particular device all of it feels a bit old-fashioned now there are advantages you don't need a connection to play when you store it locally i hear you guys with that 
with that from that point of view. You're correct. I'm not saying that that concept will be done completely, but this will be some sort of a subsidization. Like this will exist in tandem with the alternative. You'll keep your important games maybe stored locally and then and then maybe other ones that you're you just want to try out or you're less committed to. This is a better way to try them. It's a better way to almost like channel surf video games. You know what I'm saying? Just like on Netflix, you browse around, look for what you want to watch next. That's part of the experience of being on Netflix or YouTube or any modern platform, Spotify, uh, Apple Music, whatever. The reason they feel modern is because it's anything you want at any time. This feels like the gaming version of that. Are there going to be hiccups? Is it going to be hard? Absolutely. I, I mean, that's uh, that seems pretty obvious at this point. But anyhow, they're going to tell us more. They're not backing off. It's happening on Thursday. So stay tuned, June 6th, 12 p.m. Price is going to be interesting. We should throw out some guesses, Will. Just uh, pe people can hold us accountable. This is like in sports broadcasting when they have to pick the winner, like which team is going to win. Mm. And then people are like, see, you're no expert because you got it wrong. What do you think the price is going to be? Because they're going to announce it. Is it going to be monthly? Is it going to be uh, per game? See, the way they say that they're going to announce price, that tweet that you had, where was that tweet? There was a tweet that said price and a couple of other things. Was it on their official account? Some news can't wait for E3, June 6th. Get all the news on the Stadia. First ever Stadia Connect. Launch info, game announcements, price reveal. So... That makes it sound like there's going to be... There, that's the tweet I was looking for. The price, the games, all the news. So that makes it sound like it's a subscription. Mm. The price. The, I mean, if it was, if you were paying per game specifically, when it, wouldn't, it would be weird to say it like that. But that said, maybe there's a price for Stadia subscription, which comes with some things. And then maybe there's premium payments on like a per game basis. I don't know as a, as an extra on top. Yeah. Anyway, the way they're stating the price, let's just assume, let's go out on a limb here and say that there's a subscription base layer price for Stadia. What's your guess? Yeah, I think per gonna, month, what do you they're say? They're going to streamline the price. I think it's $29.99. $29.99. It's uh, and because of that, it's like half a game. Okay. Half a price of a game. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, you play the game for, like, two months, and then you move on. So, like, yeah, $29.99. Wow, okay. I don't know why that... doesn't that... include the controller. I guess. No, no, I know. It doesn't include the controller. I... That seems high to me. It does, right? But I know games cost a lot of money, obviously. Yeah. But for some reason, the idea of a recurring payment of, like, 30 bucks. Uh, no. I'm going to go lower. I'm going to go nineteen ninety-nine. Okay. I'm going to yeah. go... It's it's quite expensive for kids. I'm gonna go nineteen ninety nine baseline layer, but who knows? We gotta wait and see. You can put your own guesses down in the comment section of this video. Uh, we're gonna find out real soon, so we'll see who's right, who's wrong. Again, it's a tough guess to make because we don't know exactly what they mean by this. The price, maybe they're just talking about the price of the controller, and then maybe every single game you gotta pay for, it, just like on Steam. Mm -hmm. Who knows? That could be the case as well. All right, uh, Will, did you know that? Chernobyl tourism is booming. You didn't oh. know that. Well, I've been watching the show. So that's why. It's uh So it's that's great. why. It's a great show. That's what's going on. Is that the human the humans of the world are watching the show. What is it on Netflix? No. 
HBO. HBO. It's on HBO. HBO yeah. trying to clean up the Game of Thrones mess here with yeah. some new new content. Well, they're redeemed because that show is amazing. Wait a second, you like this Chernobyl show that much? It's great. Yeah. Wow, that's okay. Holy, <laughs> holy uh, vote of confidence here from Willie Do. Chernobyl, Jack. Uh, it's about the nuclear disaster. It's happening at that moment. And yeah, I think it's about the, the actual disaster. Uh, it talks about the scientists, the politicians, the people who live there, just like their own story. It's a dramatization. Like there's yeah. actors. Yeah, it's actors. Anyhow, it's a the show. I guess is relatively popular. And because of that, people are visiting Chernobyl. Uh, tourism is up like 40%. This is a story on Gizmodo. <laughs> and uh, people take day trips. And even though the radiation, le radiation levels are still high there, but if you limit the exposure as a short-term visit visitor, you're okay, apparently. Uh, but apparently it's the area has been thriving Wildlife is coming back. Brown bears, bisons, wolves, and more than 200 bird species are flourishing in the area now. Maybe boosted, in fact, by nuclear ex exposure like some sort of superhero. Mm. Well, they're stronger than ever. Mm. Yeah, super. You got super bears, bison, wolves, and whatnot. Apparently, people are also interacting with the stray dogs. Is that a part of the show or something? Are there stray dogs in the show? Uh, not that I know of. Not yet. Anyway, uh, empathetic viewers will undoubtedly want to coddle and shield the stray dogs to ensure that nothing bad ever, ever happens to them. So anyway, people are visiting as they would do when the show pops off. Apparently, this is a common thing. Uh, when other shows became popular, such as what? What are the examples? When Game of Thrones became, first became popular... Tourism to Croatia and Northern Ireland took off. I guess that's where that's the, where they shoot. That's where they shoot. So, in this case, similar effect. You watch the Chernobyl show. You're like, I gotta go check it out. Do you feel well like you need to go visit Chernobyl? No, I'm good. You're good. I'm good. You don't. You're good. What's that game? Um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two had a scene in Chernobyl, mm. and uh, it's a really good kind of location. So you really feel immersed in mm. that game. Mm. So I, I'm I'm good. I just play Modern Warfare too. You're good. So even the even though it's only it's only low levels of radiation left there, you're okay though. Yeah. You're good with zero no levels. Yeah. Zero of, is good. Of radiation. Uh, yeah. I you know what I I don't know. It's. It, Would you go there? Yeah, that's a tough one. No, I don't think no. no. Could be. I mean, look. It's an interesting story. It's an interesting place. And they, there's not a lot of places in the world that have gone through what that area has gone through and sort of what it says about people. And I assume the show you're watching, there's probably all kinds of cover-ups and political stuff going on. And yeah. yeah, so to see the real thing in the history is always interesting to me. But this spot in particular, I, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't do it myself. It's probably not the top of my list, but anyway, Will, you got any stories you want to talk about today? Yeah, just a quick one. A quick one. Did you know that Samsung is partnering with AMD? No, I did not know this. So um, AMD might potentially be in Exynos Samsung chips. Interesting. In Gaming 
gaming specific Samsung phones. Might be, yeah. Because because then it's not just about the hardware; it's also about slapping that name on the package. Yeah. Like in partnership with AMD. AMD is licensing its graphics technology to Samsung. For use in its future mobile chips, Samsung will pay AMD for access to its newly announced RDNA graphics architecture. Interesting. And it's interesting because AMD is like going on so many different services right now. They're, you know, they partnered up with PS4, like Sony, Xbox, um, Stadia as well recently. Mm. They're on a tear. Yeah. Taking over the planet. So it's well, really interesting. Listen, we we've mobile. featured a number of gaming smartphones recently on the channel. But the thing about the gaming smartphones is like they may have some LEDs or some cooling or something like this, but the chipset is really the same thing you're getting on other flagship devices, right? Mm -hmm. Snapdragon 855 and everything that comes with it. So it's hard to differentiate and say, okay, this is the gaming smartphone. In the same way that you can with, say, gaming laptops in which you just point to the graphics card and say, okay, that's why right. this is more capable. So if Samsung can actually deliver a smartphone that's technically more capable, I could see that being compelling to actually bust out, break out a tangible difference in a gaming phone that has more to do with hardware capability and less to do with flashy LED lighting and red and black cyborg skins. I'm sure it'll have all that too, for the record, because you got to have that, but maybe it'll actually be able to support. See, the, the trouble in the mobile gaming space is that when you develop a mobile game, you want it to be installed far and wide. So it's hard to make the hardware requirements super high for it. Mm -hmm like you would with a typical PC game or a console game or something like this. So yeah, it's kind of a curious thing. You really need the titles to spur on the upgrades or the enthusiasm around this type of hardware. So it's almost like the be the better play or the maybe, and maybe this is part of it. What you do is you sign this deal with AMD and then at the same time, you, you, you cut a couple of deals with some some developers and you get a few titles a few flagship titles to really take advantage of the partnership and the hardware mm. and you say you can only play these games right. on this hardware and now you got the gamers frothing at the mouth yeah exclusive titles it's always worked for sony and microsoft so some people love it some people hate it they're like hey man everyone should have access but it's really i mean it's one of the only ways to push the thing forward and to say okay Here's the reason for the extra hardware. Here's the reason for the partnership. Mm -hmm. These titles that you want to play. Anyway, well, you got some questions? Yep. Hey, guys, love to show my questions related to smartphone security. 2008, passcode. 2013, touch ID. 2018, face ID. What's next? Thoughts? Whoa. Those took a long time. The way he listed them there, passcode came out in 2008. I feel like, it, first of all, I feel like it was out before 2008. A passcode on, on like a computer or something. I guess he's I talking guess on strictly smartphone. on smartphones. Well, okay. I mean, the iPhone, yeah. 2007. Was a passcode. passcode. I mean, the passcode was, I, I get what he's saying. It yeah. was the original. Yeah. Then Touch ID came out. And of course, that's, you know, fingerprint. Then the face thing, 2018. Uh... It's weird. I don't, have, I don't really like any of them that much. They all have their benefits and drawbacks. Face, 
is a little hit and miss. Like in some circumstances, I really like it. In other circumstances, I find it to be a bit of a headache. What would be the ultimate? I don't know. The ultimate would be some sort of bio input that's just like holding it. Like some sort of thing where there's no deliberate movement. That it just like, almost like proximity or something. Like when you walk up to your car and it just unlocks kind of thing. That it knows you. It knows if it's in your hand by some other biomarker. Like imagine your hand had the other element embedded in it. We talked about this on a previous episode. I'm like, I'm not ready to embed anything. But imagine you had the other side of the RFID or something and you just. Yeah. But then I'm thinking about espionage. I'm thinking about die hard. I'm thinking about, you know what I mean? Yeah. Thinking about all of it. So, but that would be cool. I think much like yesterday when we were talking about the selfie cameras, the invisible ones, I think technology is working at its best capacity when it's invisible, when you don't have to even notice it working, where the input from you is minimal, but the output from it is maximized. It's that exchange where technology is at its best. So for me, the ultimate unlock method would just be for my phone to know that it's me holding it. Now, maybe if, if the watch became more, but then someone could just steal you. I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out here. Yeah, it could be like a combination of things. Maybe like your fingerprint would be mapped to the side of the smartphone and then also... Could that like be a fingerprint? Like, could you have a sensor all the way down the frame which could map this side of my palm? Maybe. and Because you always hold your phone the same way. Yeah. But yeah, I don't and know. And in combination with like other biometric that, data. That seems to me like it would be hit and miss. I would think that the ultimate would be some sort of a proximity thing. Like it has to know, or maybe some sort of real-time scan. I don't know. Anyway, ideally you just pick it up, it's unlocked. Maybe it's like Will says, maybe it's a variety of biofeedback all happening Heart rate at once. or something. Yeah. Uh -oh. Anyway, what do you got next? Hey guys, first, thanks for the show. It's just amazing. Thank you very much, Pablo. Second, and not related to tech, Lou, I want to know if you think Kawhi's going to stay in Toronto or Uncle Dennis has another thing to say. I'm a Spurs fan and not angry anymore with Kawhi and glad to have DeMar. Regards. Uh, so we're talking, of course, about Kawhi Leonard in Toronto. Toronto Raptors, go Toronto Raptors. Game three coming up, coming up soon, shortly. There's a rumor that Kawhi bought some property in Toronto. Look, I don't know if he's going to stay or not. I already uh, reached out on Twitter. I said, look, I'll be your personal tech expert, tech support right here, if necessary, to push you over, you know, over the top, your decision. But uh, obviously that's not, that's not enough to do it. We're talking more about money for one, you know, payment terms. Apparently Toronto can offer more money than anywhere else. And then, also, competition. The guy likes to win. Being in the NBA Finals doesn't hurt, and that happened this year, and it happened on this team. Now, maybe he feels like, hey, I could go to any team and recreate that. That's quite possible. Uh, I know his family's also important to him, and they're all, of course, in California. That said, when you play for a team, you're on the road so much, how much does it matter? Like, how much time do you spend in a home, the city of your home team, versus other cities or the off-season where you can live wherever you want. Like, he could have a house in California in the off-season. So, 
I'll give it a 50-50. I'll give it a coin flip. I'll say 50% yes, 50% no. And of course, that percentage will, would increase if they win the title. Then I would make an adjustment to that. But as of right now, 1-1 in the series. I'm saying 50-50 on Kawhi staying in Toronto. All right, well, last question of the day coming right up. What do we got? Lose legs. Yo, Lou, to be honest, do you wash your legs in the shower? Please be honest and don't lie. So this is where, this is Kirk's question. Everybody told me to be ready for this hard-hitting question. Of course I wash my legs. What's wrong with you guys? You guys don't? Well, I said I do. You guys said you do. You said you don't. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay, so Jack's telling us right now that he, he's not a leg washer. <laughs> he wants to clarify, like, it's just not every time. If he's in a rush, he doesn't wash the legs. Uh, that's, I feel like I always have. I feel like that was not optional. Yep. But I guess uh, maybe we can get a little poll going if people wash their legs and not in the shower. I could see if you're in a rush or something. You got to get a quick one in there. Yeah, double time. There's important body parts that need to be washed. The legs are lower down the list. And I would say I prioritize when I get in the shower. Most important, next most important. There's parts of the body need focus. What's, what's most? And we all know, I don't have to be explicit here. We all know, to be clear, where you should start and where you should finish. We know this. So, but the legs, for me, it's, I will say I give them less attention because of that reason, but I don't ignore them completely. Hmm. I go up and down, I, I soap them up, I lather, but I enjoy the shower, you know? I'm trying to get the steam anyways, cause I got the sinuses, you know, plugged up. So I'm in there anyway. I'm trying to get the steam going, so I might as well. I'm not in a rush, typically, in the shower, I should say. So maybe this could change, your answer might change here if you are more of a rush shower person. Alarm goes off, you try to get the extra sleep in. And, and whatnot. But yeah, I'm a, to answer Kirk's question, I'm a leg washer. So There you have it. Exclusive. Wow. That's a, that's got a, that takes the cake, right? That's the weirdest uh, question we've had so far. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we need to see what the audience says now, whether they do the same or not. All right. Well, what is it? What a time to be alive, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we're out here. We're in the world. And uh, the dogs didn't bark today. So that's a good sign. They're having a day. They didn't fight with each other. Otis didn't chew his, chew his leash. So maybe we're getting somewhere. Maybe that's a good sign. Maybe that says something about the show and where the show is going. Mm -hmm. Is we're going to a place, hitting, hitting the stride, finding the groove. It's possible. I don't know. It, it could be that. I could be completely wrong. Well, more leg questions might help. Maybe more leg questions is just what we're looking for. Uh, on the flip side, m maybe it's a disaster waiting to happen. And maybe this story is a tragedy. Mm. <laughs> so dark. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, you know it's not the way we end it here. Come on now. It's not what we do. Kawhi Leonard stays in Toronto. Raptors win the championship. And every human being watching this tries their best, gets out there, and tries their best. That's it. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. Okay? We're not going out like that, Will. It ain't no tragedy around here. Uh. It's not even in the outcome. It's in the intent.
All right? So it can't be. There ain't no tragedy living there. All right? That's it.